Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Explicit Measures Podcast with Tommy Set the Mic. Here we are, coming back in for another week. <laughs> Happy Tuesday, gentlemen. It's been too long once again since we've spoken to each other. Good to see you again. Too long or just a, a weekend? <laughs> well, I mean, too long. That yeah. is too long. That exactly. is too long. Some, sometimes it's just too long. And, you know, by the time Tuesday rolls around, I'm, I'm itching to have a conversation about Power BI. So it's good I have you guys. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we get to see each other in less than a month. This is incredible. Crazy. This is going to be fun. Yeah, we got some we got some upcoming events. And I'll throw this some uh, for those of you who are just joining us or are just trying to get into the, the Microsoft Power BI, Power Platform ecosystem. Uh, there's two conferences that are going on. We're going to be down at the Chicago uh, Data Insight Summit in Chicago. It's September 12th through the 14th. Um, there was actually a promo code. You can use promo 22 for 100 bucks off of your registration. And if you're going down to someplace warmer, you want to go down to uh, Orlando, you can go down to Orlando, Florida, and, and join the Power Microsoft Power Platform Conference in Orlando. Um, we are not attending that one, but it will also be a really good conference. Those are September 20th and 22nd, and there's also a promotion code for that one as well. I'll throw those in the chat window just in case you didn't see them before. Anyways, this will be my my first live conference in front of people in like a couple of years. Kind of kind of excited, and also I think I'm interested in whether or not uh, when I hit the stage, it's just going to be like, oh, this is new. <laughs> I, mean, I haven't done so this in a while. Staring at a camera and talking to people as opposed to like, there's actual people in the room. <laughs> true. Well, I'm sure me and true. Mike are going to be a front row jabbing you. you get <laughs> That's not true. That'll, that'll calm me, right? <laughs> I'll just bring, bring some frames. That, oh, yeah. You know, Put a little picture frames faces. up there for you. Yeah. As long as you promote the podcast, there's no problem. So Exactly. Uh, it's good stuff. Looking forward to it. Should be fun. Some definitely, interesting, definitely a lot of lot a lot of lot of friends and and folks too that we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, yeah, so it'll be a great time. Join us. Hope hope to see everybody down there. Yeah, I'd like to see you there. It would be a lot of fun. It's gonna be. A, I think it's gonna be a really good event. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, register now so it doesn't fill up too quickly. And it's not a huge conference initially. It's the first one, uh, Data Insight Summit put on by Reza over out of New Zealand area. So, um, it'll, you know, register soon. Get in there before yeah. it fills up. Awesome. Uh, some interesting news across the web. A couple articles Tommy found. I think one of them I stumbled across. I should have just put. I should start putting links in in our notebook here when we talk about episodes because I've stumbled across some of the same things. Uh, Chris Webb and I believe somebody else was also blogging about it. Maybe Rui Romano something something about um there is now a enhanced refresh API and then using Power Automate to kind of incrementally or in a more sophisticated way i guess refreshing your partitions with the uh the power bi enhanced refresh api you guys take a look at that we are using the new api we oh, oh you're using it hey we, we we implemented the um sweet uh executed the new refresh api essentially it's the yeah. uh, um I'm losing the word asynchronous, right? Yes. So you make the call from yep, Azure just, Data Factory. It just starts. So oh, oh. That, that was a huge win for us because, you know, having two different uh, ingestion and refresh schedules is is problematic when yes. you have variability in the first one. Um, so we, we were able to tighten up 
our processes significantly, which was fantastic. Using using the new refresh API, yeah. we haven't gone down to this level of like the partition refresh specifically because we already yeah. have incremental, but it's cool. No, I I'm I'm realizing my solutions for my my audit log are now out of date because I'm seeing like what what uh, he's doing on the blog is it's not just the refresh, but he's basically you can in Power Automate you can create custom connectors. So I usually the standard set, yeah, the yeah. one for the REST API which again can go, you can get your audit log. I just read a solution. I should have put that in the chat, but about using that and pushing it to Synapse, like you can use the the same thing with Power Automate. Like this is phenomenal. I don't have to use PowerShell as much, as much as I like PowerShell, mm. but just this automated solutions, people are really figuring out how to utilize the Rust API. But, and I, I also, I don't think Power Automate sells itself enough on how powerful of a tool that is. I, it's basically like a logic app, but I think it's really powerful. It is really powerful, but I have not had amazing success with it like you have, Tommy. I've I've, I've worked with it a couple times. It does things, and sometimes it behaves in a way that I don't understand all the time. Yeah, and so I'm like, hmm. So I've kind of steered away from the Power Automate pieces. I've done a couple here and there, but I don't use it a, a ton. So I just, no, these I, are these are things. actually interesting, right? Just re reading through these, I'm catching up with some of the links that you guys have have seen. Is like these are the same solutions we've implemented. Just we used Azure Data Factory, right? Oh, yes. really? This is Power Automate, Correct. And then Rui's got one that go, drives directly out of uh, the desktop, which is interesting. Or yeah, yeah. So that, I think yeah, the Rui. I'll see if I can go find the one that Rui was uh, interesting. Also, Rui is also doing a lot more blogging on LinkedIn.com. On LinkedIn, yeah, yeah. love it. I, I think mean, he's picking up from us, folks, uh, hanging out on LinkedIn. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I think it's I think it's great though. I mean, I I, I like the way the articles come out on LinkedIn, and yeah. it's neat because it, it tags sharp. it. Yeah, it looks good, easy to read, and it's easy to share. And it's all kind of like built into the yeah. platform. I, I really think the the Yes, it's kind of like a called an article, or whatever. But man, you could have a blog right on LinkedIn, and that makes a lot of sense. It does. He's also, I mean, Rui is also talking or sharing at least content around Chris. Uh, Chris Webb is also talking about how excited he is around the evaluate and log function as well. So it'd be interesting to see how he catches that one. I think that was a function that we announced a couple of weeks ago or last yeah. week or something like that. Mm -hmm. He so, just wrote another article about that, but yeah, true. Um, that's another one that came out from. Um, Jeffrey Wang wrote another article around yeah. just speaking to more of the more of the items around how evaluate and log will work as well. Awesome. This is another big one that I think was worth noting. Microsoft named a leader in 2022 Gartner Magic Quadrant for data integration tools. Yeah, I like this. I like this one. I'm glad that Microsoft's playing in the upper echelon here on this yeah. on this space. What do you guys think I'm, about that? I was actually surprised on where they were positioned. So or because they're not necessarily the top three in terms, at least if you're looking at the quadrant, right? So, yes. Uh, but I mean, I, I would love to see the, the previous ones and to see if they've actually continued to expand or grow um, in that space. Because like I said, I've been getting into that space um, recently, so to speak, but it's amazing how powerful and how accessible these tools are. And I, I think that, if there's other tools out there, great, but you cannot, it's hard to sell off the fact that everything just integrates when you're using a Microsoft product. And they've done such a good job of not just like you have to use our product, but making it a good product and then just making it flow with everything else with Active Directory. 
I think Active Directory is amazing. It, yeah. I've I play with other tools from other cloud providers and the Active Directory integration and how deep it is and how easy it is to just yeah. light up stuff and it just applies to the, the role based permissions. It's pretty nice. It's it's I like the how deeply that is integrated. It, it seems to make things a little bit easier for me to manage stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the criteria is for the for quadrant, but I can I can see why I, I can see the positioning, right? Like yeah. with many, many implementations of Microsoft, and we talk about some of these between Power BI and um enterprising certain things or how does Azure Data Factory fit in? How, when do you use Azure Synapse? When yep. you know, do you use a third-party tool like Databricks? Like, right. you can figure things out and and put together fantastic solutions using Microsoft tooling. You just have to know more, right? Like, you have to put the pieces together. And I think if an organization like you know Informatica, right, if that's all they do, right. The, then the the tooling and how to go build something is probably a little bit more seamless. They direct people in in specific areas, and it's it's you know that's why they're much further ahead. Um, but I, like like I said, I I don't know what the criteria is for data integration tools. Obviously, I have a solution that you know I love using Azure Data Factory, Databricks, and Power BI. Right, so we have a smattering of SQL, and we can obviously do everything we need to from scale and transformation, you know, within that framework, but um, it's all available to you. Hmm. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised there's no like Amazon web services or, or they don't have, that's like way the down left. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're way down there. They're left. Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I'm not really sure what the difference between the two. I have to go read more in the, uh, the actual major quadrant document, but anyways, the links out there on the, on the website, if you want to go hit that, there's actually, typically there's a, a downloadable link that you can go get and you can see the full report um, from Gartner. I believe it's towards the end in the learn more links. So if you want to read, you know, why they're choosing Microsoft and putting them up there with these other mm -hmm. systems, um, I think it's also very, very good. I do uh, think light, light years ahead though, right? Like in terms of where they were. Oh yeah. SSIS, you know, but, and <laughs> within ADF though, right? Like you have options for SSIS, you have options for Power Query, you, know, you have options to connect to all these things uh, it, and use them. They might not be as efficient, but you're still using Spark underneath for, for the majority of like data flows and the things that you're building for um, a lot of those transformations within ADF, if you're going to do that. So, I mean, the capabilities and where it sits, you know, I, I see absolutely why they're in the, the upper quadrant. Yeah. I'll I'll point out something here that you just made a note to. There is no mention in that entire article of SSIS. It's not in there at all. And so I think that just speaks to where Microsoft is pu pushing and moving their platform. They're moving to cloud-based oh, yeah. data factory synapse level yeah. authoring of data movements. And so like people are like, well, we need our SSIS packages. Like, well, yes, you do. And you have made a lot of technical debt around keeping them and making them work. But I'm not necessarily convinced that that needs to be living around for the next five, 10 years. I think you're, I think you're going to start planning to migration out of those platforms into something else. It also, yeah, I agree with you. But at the same time, like, I would imagine the mass majority of companies we're engaging with are the ones that have larger data. Totally agree. Right. Yes. Big, big data problems in today's world where you're, you have multiple systems connecting together. And if you're a shop that like you have your SQL server and it's good yep. and you have SSIS running and you add a gig of data a year, like 
do you need the cloud exactly Maybe not no. you know but and i'm even i mean talking with a lot of my more recent clients a lot of what are a lot of them are talking about and some of them are starting to actually do it is to move away from any sql server-based solution for reporting i think people are finding immense value in this data warehouse or and the, the lake the lake house architecture and so a lot of companies are saying okay we what what is the use case for the sql server let's move away from that because all it does is it creates some problems because i can't keep or collect all the data in one spot so i think i think there's even a move i mean cloud-based data storage cloud-based cloud cloud-based data movement it's becoming much more popular and i think um you know there's a, there's a lot more of a movement to turn that direction Listen, once Power Query becomes the de facto tool in Data Factory, whoop, right to the top, completely. Once they make that run smooth and fast, because they're, they're investing in it. They're, they're realizing uh, the GUI, what it can do. It's just, it, does, it doesn't play as well when you're trying to do that At enterprise scale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Once they figure that out. Well, and some of the, I mean, they're still building some of the functions, yeah. you know, to oh, work yeah. within there. Because limited. essentially what they're doing is they're converting that into data flow. Yeah. Right. Right. Which is actually really cool. Yeah. I really like that solution. Another great article out there. I don't think anything else that's kind of major. Those are kind of the key things that kind of came out this weekend. So anyways, some good articles, some good reading out there. Um, just some fun stuff. All right. Moving on to our, our topic of our today. Uh, this is going to be, I think, a pretty good one. Got some opinions on this one. Where should your final data live? All right. Now that we've got a whole bunch of other solutions, we've got, well, not a whole bunch of other solutions. We have a number <laughs> of ways we can, inside the Power BI ecosystem, where you can start landing information and data. What does that look like? And how do you integrate that with what you're doing inside Power BI? I think there's a lot of, I mean, not a lot of, I think there's a number of patterns that are, that are good to use when loading data into Power BI data models. This will be interesting. I'm curious to see where you guys are going to take this one. Tommy, what do you think? Maybe we should well, maybe we should define what do you mean by final data? What do you mean by that? I was about to ask uh, Seth the, that, but let's go Seth. Um, the eloquent describer. Yeah. <laughs> final data, where I pick it up. <laughs> yeah, right. Like it, it, it's so. I think I think it's going to dovetail around like where where do our our end consumers uh, go to read a report? or access data, right? And, and I think we branch around like, what are the types of reports? What are the types of access? Like, is it worth going down different routes of, you know, building an access matrix? Or, you know, do you have to sp have a specific role before we open up a, a different door for you? Mm -hmm. And then within here is, you know, are, is it is it worthwhile to spend time in, you know, funneling people into certain locations or just shotgun it across the organization, right? But ultimately it's how do, how do we affect, how do we effectively produce or put reports in a certain form in a location for business to pick them up? Are, are there, are there good practices? Are there things that you, you guys do all the time? Well, I think even more and more now too, it's not just the final report where it could be author report, but look at metrics, right? Like that could be a final location of multiple reports where the user is getting all their information in that scorecard. Um, and then there's what a lot of people, I've seen a lot of people writing too about using the uh, evaluated DAX querying power automate and sending that and using that to kind of get some of the summary numbers. It's obviously off of a Power BI data set, but they're not, or a report, but they're not going to the report itself. 
So there's really an expansion of locations. And again, it's not just where does the report live? It's everything that we've built on the report. Where's those final numbers for, where's that consumer going to go to get the information they need? I, I like to think of this, you know, I like, I guess I, I think about it in, in terms of like, where does all the data need to live and how am I shaping that information for the report? And every single report that I build, there's always some level of data shaping that needs to occur between whatever you're storing the data in, SQL, a lake house, whatever that, whatever that architecture is. I'm always doing some sort of shaping to, to, ref, to refine and finesse that data to get it ready for what the report does. And I'm working harder and harder now, I think, in my world to make those final resting data places, whether it's a, you know, a thin report and a model, those models that are serving those reports to users to actually consume, I'm working harder and harder making star schemas. So I really feel like you know, it's, it's subject matter basis. It's in the data, the data sets is like a very specific topic and I'm answering very specific questions around that area of uh, the, the report. That's, that's what I'm, I'm focusing on there. So um, anyways, I, that, I, think, I think I'm gonna have a lot of different data sets for many different use cases and those will be my final resting data places, but I'll have upstream things that are not final. Or, so so like let's, a, let's pull of let's, information. Let's pull this into kind of two different areas, I think, because in terms of uh, final final data, right? Like, let's talk about data access itself, but then mm -hmm. let let's start with reports because I think that's a shorter conversation than the other, right? Yeah. Potentially, yeah, right. Because when we talk about what are the like sharing mechanisms, right? We have or or where like yeah. it is sharing to to some degree, but it's like the final resting place. We obviously have the Power BI service. I, in chat, I'd love to know if anybody's using dashboards. I don't. I don't either. Right. So we have different ways within the service, but it's the Power BI platform. You're sharing through an app, right? A, a person may have access to a workspace, but ultimately, or you're just sharing a report that you've generated specifically with an audience. Um, teams, right? If you're a heavy Microsoft shop and Teams is your location for... Uh, all of your chat and conversation around everything going on in the organization, like mine, right? Everything I do is in Teams for the most part. Yeah. I, like email is a thing I re I look at every two hours, and it's mostly just Jira notifications. Right? <laughs> so it's like Teams or Jira. Um. So those are those are the two areas that that I I use a, a lot, uh, along with embedded. Right, we can embed reports into custom applications. So this is this is internal and external facing, right? Like Mike, you've had you've had I think more experience in in this land. Do you, have you done a lot of internal facing uh, embedded, like embedded in SharePoint or other applications where like people a have a reporting reporting tool and that's where they they want to see Power BI? Yeah, most of, most of the reporting that I'm doing is external facing. It's externally looking towards uh, out. We're, we have data and we need to get that out to a broader audience and we want to pay for people just to kind of consume content from an external source. So that's really, mm -hmm. that's really the main consumption area that I've been doing a lot of my development around. So it's you know, prettier looking report. It's very focused, a lot, of, a lot of work on narrowing down the topics to a very specific area. We do a handful of like internal reports. It's more kind of monitoring things. And those are, mm -hmm. those are more, those are simple, much more simple, right? It's, it's, 
uh, you know, not as much styling on the on the report page. We're not we're trying to stay away from bookmarks and fancy things inside the report. Make it just here's it's about the data. Now we're still doing the whole insight driven elements. Most of it we're just putting back into PowerBI.com and letting people consume from PowerBI.com directly. Or yeah, it's up to them to figure out how to you know share it through Teams or link it through other locations. I'm not setting that up for people. If I'm producing internal reports back to people. I mean, think about just within an organization in the service alone, or at least we'll just say within the office platform alone, where you can really, in a sense, present the data. Uh, we forgot PowerPoint too. I don't know if you guys have been playing with that, but that's pretty dang nifty. The PowerPoint uh, integration with Power BI. You have the metrics, which as much as I love, there's still that concern though, because it's so it seems so disconnected to the actual report. But it is, you know, can give you those final numbers. Teams, even the difference between a report share you look at individually or a report in a Power BI app, they do not, in a sense, share qualities if for the consumer. I This, to me, will always boggle my mind. But if you create a personal bookmark in a Power BI report, it does not transition if you view that same report in the Power BI app. So which... and a lot of those things seem very strange to me. So users can go to those two locations we talked about, dashboards, their subscriptions. So we have all, I mean, it's basically like you have the whole buffet open to you of how we can deploy or best serve our data to consumers. And a lot, they're all pretty straightforward um, in a sense solutions. But I guess before we go into what makes a good location, What's the let's, a very basic question of like, what's our objective of wherever we put this data? Like, what are, what are, why do we put something in a report compared to in a dashboard? What's the true purpose of final data? Well, I think there's, I think there's this whole concept of like, you know, using that data to make good decisions on, on whatever you're building inside the organization. So I think in, in stuff that I'm building, it's usually around these are more, I err on the side of these are coming. These are things coming from the IT organization. This is from more of a groomed, well thought out. We have standard reporting, and so the organizations I'm serving are there is a team or a small group of people that are focused solely on the data piece. That is what that is what they do, and they are working to make it reliable, provide an SLA. Things are going to be up, notifying people when things go down, and then distributing that content to a wider team where it's. I need information, right? So it's it, we're engaging with the business teams, figuring out what they want, centralizing that piece and giving it out. So I'm I'm definitely working a lot more in the non-self-service area. It's more of the enterprise-driven space for what I'm working on. What is what is what, what are your takes in in terms of final resting pace, right? Like, are you guys single location? Like you try to, you try to make sure everybody goes through power BI service and like apps and you've trained people that the vast, like they're going to find 90% of all their reporting in this location, or are you building things to service up in all of these locations? Right. Is it teams? Is it power BI? Does it matter? Right. Like somebody's, somebody's doing some embedded with it. Some, you know, wherever the case may be, they have access to the stuff. Is it one or the other? Is it a mix of both? You know, I, I realized this has to be a much more 
selective process for anyone who's deciding to do this. We've talked about technical debt before. I think deciding to do what? Share our reports? No, no. I mean, in terms of the final location, and oh. uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So we should not really share everything. Right? We should just <laughs> make these things and build our own insights. I mean, if you don't have a password, sit in our castles. Your report. <laughs> like, yeah. What do you want to know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's the password? Um, no, but I mean. It's we've talked about technical then how easy it is to create things from the uh, in a data model and then all of a sudden you're accumulated all this fluff and I think the same thing can easily happen with uh, these final locations. It's so easy to you know in a sense put a report or the data in in a new place, test it out. Like, well, I guess you may like it here, and you know what, we'll do Teams for you because I know you like Teams. And then all of a sudden you have a very maybe undocumented or very convoluted situation where. Wait, where is the where is the location that we're finally showcasing this? Is it in the scorecard where we did a filter? Is it in Teams? Is it in the app? And if you don't have a good like in a sense plan beforehand or uh, universal communication on the access points, um, that can lead to more confusion for the consumers. Even if you do in a sense really write out like, "Hey, look at all the places, uh, consumer, you can go and see your data." I think anything, if you have like six, seven options out there, they're still going to be confused. I think we have to do a better job from, this is part of governance to me, where it doesn't mean that you can only do three locations and no more than three, but this part matters because, and I think it matters more, it's call it like an underrated part of the governance side of it, where we have to be very selective and have a good communication plan before we actually do it. I think I think this also blends very well with what is your what is your data culture in your company. If your data culture in your company allows you to be able to push everyone to powerbay.com and use that experience, maybe that's what you do. If people are comfortable going to that place and understanding how that how that works. Other companies are not as far along that journey, I think. And so there is a I just need to show up. I just need, you know, email it to me, mm. right? So there's there's I think there I think there's a data culture part of this that is where your where your company sits inside that spectrum of data culture, um, you know, I think that also influences how you distribute content. I, and I yeah. I would also agree that I think Power BI has done a good job of making it very easy for you to put the content where most people are working. Right now, I feel like most people have of the applications I have open all the time in my at, at my organization and other organizations. It's almost always Teams. There's always those candid conversations that are happening. I'm saying a little message here. So that's, that is the one program that I think is by far the most impactful for Power BI because it's just something that's always on and always available. And it's as simple as, I don't have to log in anymore. I just click that button and boom, you know, I'm right into powerbi.com or boom, I'm, I'm linking to this report and can talk about it. So I, to me, that feels like the, the most relevant medium at this point. So I, I think a point of clarification I, I want to make in this conversation, right, it, based on what Greggy B's comment is, because, you know, we're if if we take our title, one might think we were talking about where do you actually keep your store, so, like your system data, your, yeah. your data that you would be referencing for reporting. And that's not what we're talking about or we're like because you don't want that in your reporting layer. right? right. <laughs> you don't want that in the very front end because yeah. it's very problematic if you need to access it with different tools, different reporting, et cetera. Uh, I think we missed a word in here. Where should our final data access live, right? Because we're talking about like with yeah. the final interaction point we have with end consumers within the business. So just 
point of clarification on, on like scope. Eh, we missed the title. <laughs> We're in a title might, might've shifted the conversation completely into a different area. <laughs> Surprise guys. Regardless. Well, if you're listening, you know, the title's going to be updated. <laughs> so be most likely as we, as we so, change and wander the conversation, <laughs> wherever it needs to go. Yeah. Tell me it's a trap. <laughs> uh, so I, I guess so single location versus all locations, right? I, I think what what's a challenge in my mind is there's confusion in both, right? Like I can't it, it's hard for me to think that it's a I guess the way I approach this is two different ways. One is it would be really easy from a large functional, large organizational standpoint to say, hey, uh, everybody, you'll find all your reports here, right? And then they have one place to go as opposed to I can access a report anywhere, but I'm a new user how like what do i have to know mm -hmm. to like get access to the information i need and when that is everywhere right what are some of the key things you would need to build into things like how do you manage the access or how do you manage the request paths for people to find the right stuff that they need to start digesting because that's the opposite yeah. extreme if you don't have a single location or a couple places where you share content or have access to data then it's got to be in many places and then is is that just tribal knowledge as they ramp up or is that you know part of of a bi team's role where you got to manage that you know setting and, and go down i think the the analogy or the the idea of talking about teams compared to like email is a perfect analogy or use case in this where um imagine if you had a company that was using slack teams email heavily and then yammer right and those are all the communication platforms oh, you goodness. wouldn't know where to go goodness like help me we, when we switched to slack and uh when i use teams with uh people i work with now like I, it's hard to even check email because i know if someone sends me a calendar invite it goes straight to the calendar i don't have to actually look at in a sense outlook yep so i already have it's not so much that I have all the options. It's I have the right options. And when someone emails me an outlook, sometimes like, Hey, do you, they'll then slack me. Did you get my email? And I was like, why didn't you slack me? Because that's what's open all the time. So users are probably going to go to the most one is centralized because that's really where everyone's going to be in a sense, communicating, getting information. And then two, it is when people find the right experience or the one, the best experience that suits them, that's what they're going to use. Even if you have seven options, the, you know, most holistic experience, people are going to gravitate towards that. So that's going back to maybe there's a uh, solution per situation where you're dealing with a team and they, they have, you know, they, they would prefer it in, in this particular deployment. But I think just like the team's analogy, if that's where we're communicating and that's where the company kind of says, Hey, all of our messaging, our alerts and notifications, we're not going to do it in an outlook or an email. We're going to be doing it in our team's channels. I think there's kind of a similar approach that we should follow because, and at the end of the day, it's just, how do we get our information? But I think, I think this is very much a task for the center of excellence. And I think this is, mm -hmm. I mean, there's a couple of things in here that I'm, I'm going to heavily use to make sure that you're picking the right location inside an organization. One of them is there's got to be a team of people who understand what data is there and how people want to consume it inside their, their company. And then there's this, I think, I think there needs to be a drive for the company to push forward. What is the appropriate data culture? How do we want to consume these things? Is, are we all going to go to parvia.com 
are we all going to do something else? I think it's important for us to talk about those topics as a company and figure out what is the company's stance, where are we right now, and where do we want to be moving with moving forward with data. I would I would argue most companies are not not reaching out to me and be like, man, we need to we need to be able to email a lot more Power BI reports. Like that's that's usually not the conversation I'm having. It's it's usually around you know educating the team. You know, um, and I'll we say final data here. Where does the final data live? I'm also thinking here to some degree to some degree is we're talking about final data living in reports and where the reports are going, but I think there's also a use case here for sharing data sets and certified pieces of content. And where does that live inside the organization? What what denotes when something is certified? Are you using the RBA.com designation of certification? What are your requirements around that? So this is where I think a lot of the so I'm gonna I have to talk about it again. Melissa Coates data strategies. Um Coach data strategies training around governance is absolutely amazing. It's a very well thought out program. Um, the course is phenomenal. There's tons of video content, tons of handouts. If you're administering your Power BI environment at all, you need to be thinking about going through this course because it, it does it addresses a lot of these topics. How do you want to? How do you want to? What are the plans? What are the, what are the plans in place that, to help your your Power BI deployment to be successful? These are the conversations we need to be having with organizations to make sure that they understand the impact of what they're doing and we're not just shooting from the hip. So I think those are, I agree with you. And I think it's a good segue into like the, a, a different, a, a different way I've been thinking about this topic, right? One is, you know, it, it, for, for the bulk majority of business users, right? Is it, they are, if they're consuming single, single reports, right? Or curated, like the final product type of things that we do in Power BI huh? or paginated, right? Those are very easy, like, yep, this is where we stick it. We, we In Teams, this is where you have access to it. Yes. You're, you're good to go. But within here also, I think, is the nuance that you start to introduce with curated data sets, right? A yes. data set that is now available to certain users within an organization because we're talking about like a role where I would, I would guess like you could open it up to everybody, but how much use is it going to get? Correct. Like, and how right? do they, like, so, if this is a, and, and how do you publish, how do you publicize that? Right? Yes, yes, exactly. And like, you know, if the data set's very complicated and like, you can, you can only see so much of a data set, right? <laughs> so like, I do like the fact that there's now in the data hub, you can go in and you can click on a data, you can click on a data set and okay. you can start just seeing tables of data. So you can just start clicking fields and seeing like what stuff appears very cool very very helpful for the discovery of what data is inside that data model the downside though is i think like i don't get to see the relationships of the tables like me as a developer i understand how the relationships and things work but if you don't have a very clear data model you have to build like if you're talking about sharing generally you know content or or sharing just the data set and here you go no report here's a bunch of tables connect to it and, and use it in other places if you're doing those kind of activities you need to be very clear about, I have to be able to look at the data model and understand how it technically works without actually being able to see the tables and their relationships. Because if you start doing a whole bunch of disassociated tables or things that are kind of, you know, snowflaking on the side, how do you know that those things actually relate? So I think, I think there's a, um, you know, there's a responsibility that goes back to the center of excellence to make sure that you're teaching your team, you're, you're documenting things, you're putting out video and I'm, I'm lazy. I like doing things as simply as I possibly can. So every, every, everything I'm doing, right. I'm thinking about how do I do things twice? Um, and we just recently had a, 
a, a conversation with a customer. How do we how do we do power hours? So they they kind of we kind of you know talked about this. There were some good examples of how do you do a power hour. Um, Chris Wagner at Rockwell Automation does a really good example. They actually have a couple of blog articles. He's done a couple of webinars around how they've handled their power hour um, meetings. It's like a Friday meeting. It's like an hour, hour and a half. People come together and they collaborate on Power BI. You find other people across the organization that is just excited about Power BI. And in doing that, those are the, those are the kind of meetings that you should be thinking about. How do we record them? How do I take the content that's being generated there and landing that in another place inside the organization? Maybe a portion of that time is around training people on existing data sets where they live, how to get access to them. Is there a process around that? I think a lot of those things, you know, of talking about where this final data lives, you almost have to market it to some degree at a higher level. So I definitely, I, I like your comment sense there. And I think that really fits very well with some core functionality of that center excellence. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Right. And, and I'm kind of brainstorming uh, as, as, I'm digging into the topic here, right? And the way I'm kind of thinking about this is, um, you know, within the Power BI ecosystem, right? Like it, it, I almost wonder if it's worth separating out these these sort of uh, areas for the business, right? Where I have um, apps that are somehow delineated into, you know, final product, cur fully curated reports, right? Yes. Yep. I have apps that are, uh, that contain, reports that are more for analysis, mm -hmm. you know, potentially, I don't know if it's worth making this delineation, but maybe because the, like the, the level of person that you would also be granting access into those could be different. Yes. And, and then you have a third tier, which is kind of the workspace data set and data mart potentially. Right. Yeah, we haven't even talked about data marts now because that's, that's. I don't know if I want to because because that, been... that but that opens up a door to it does somebody somebody with at least a little technical knowledge exactly. that is going to either be building reports or accessing the data. Hundred percent, I totally agree right. with that. It's an, that's another option well, yeah. to kind of collect things in an easy to consume area. I think it's a great solution. I, I want to take a not necessarily a step back, but everything we're talking about again, we're going options, <laughs> options. Yeah, hold the hold the hold the brakes here. What's wrong, Tommy? There's there's a few things actually. So, okay. but I think honestly, all the choices are fine, and I think it's okay to have the the multitude of choices. But I when I say step back, it's whatever options are available to a consumer. Those choices need to be clearly defined, and whatever they can can get out of that serves a particular purpose mm -hmm. i shouldn't tr and i think that's where the problem is where you're like hey option b i'm going to try to fit everything in there too right like what can subscriptions do that nothing else can and it, we should only in a sense provide that option when that particular objective is in mind uh in the same way if you're going to do if you're going to share a report on the power bi apps kind of the general one a scorecard i shouldn't try to put all my metrics in there it should be available but in a sense clearly defined where we're not kind of going out of that box because if there's overlap of the same features or the same capabilities then for the consumer it gets much more difficult to figure out okay well why would i do this and not this i should know i'm going to scorecards i'm going to see my main kpis that's that's all i can do here and the reason i say this there's a part of the chat we're talking about if i if i gave you 10 choices to, hey, I'm going to give you a bicycle and I have you, I have 10 choices and I'm going to give you all the specs of every bicycle. 
you know, like this gear set does this, the tire, the size of the tires on this one is this. And if you weren't very super familiar with, with bikes, you're like, I don't know which one's better compared to if I gave you three choices and said bike A is lighter, bike B is more comfortable, bike C goes fast. And you don't need to know the specs. I have those three options that are obviously there's more under the hood, but from a consumer, I mean, what option would you rather have? I, so I think I am grokking a little bit. Where I thought going, that was clear. But I would, okay. But I, no, but I'm saying like in, in conceptual terms, right? Like what you're describing to me is what I would say are apps for curated reports, right? Like, do you want the shiny bike, the fast bike, the whatever bike, right? right? Here, here's, here's the bikes and the information that you want to know or how to use them, right? Keep it simple. But then you're going to have the person who works on the bike. Sure. Yes, of course. Right. So that, that, that goes into a different realm where mm -hmm. if I'm riding a bike, man, I'm, I'm expecting you, the person who knows more about the bike to tell me about them. Right. So analysis, it's the deeper level, right. Where that person's going to want to know all the different parts they could stick on that particular right. bike, right. All the oh, different yeah. chains and all the different things. Like, so that gets, that gets into the level of like separating out these concerns of like level of data that I'm going to give to people because the the very end is going to get overwhelmed all they want is an answer if you can provide that answer fantastic you win right, right? and I, I guess that's where i'm i'm headed and i don't see how what we we're discussing doesn't align with your comment well I, I think i think tommy made a point here that i want to hang on here just a moment that i thought was really relevant was if you have too many reports doing the same thing you create mm -hmm. confusion for report consumers to figure out i would agree with that what mm -hmm. where do i look for the right number yeah. of things and you and i think as a report author you also have a complicated issue here where if i'm having too many reports tell me total sales is are all your numbers right. aligning across all your data sets mm -hmm. do you get yeah. to the same answer so like to me like there's there's like this you know if i think about in where my head went with this was like if every report is part of a venn diagram how much overlap are we talking about that venn diagram and, and is there you know if i took all those reports and said you know, here's the topical areas, and these could you could maybe think about this like from the table standpoint, right? Are you have a is there a product master table that lives in multiple data sets, right. and is it consistent across those data sets? Are you pulling from the same source? Those are the kind of questions I think that are very relevant here because if you don't plan this out, you get people getting different answers from different reports. Big problem. They can't trust your data, and you erode you erode trust. And I think at the end of the day. If you can't have people trust reports coming out of a team or having people own reports and people trusting those reports, you might as well just not do it. But aren't, aren't you, oh man, aren't you exacerbating that to some degree? Like you can, you can, even in the data set realm, right? Like if totally. you create a carrier data set for somebody to go use, they can distort that. They can totally distort that. Oh, yes and no. Yes and no. Okay. So I think it depends. It depends and on whatever they can publish. The data democratization, right? So the now more people that have their hands in things, the correct. more variability you could get. So I think I think when you get to that level, it becomes much more around making sure you identify owners of things and making sure you have a process around what does an enterprise data set look like versus what does self-service look like? So again, I'm, I'm going back to Matthew Roach's pyramid again. I think it's a great yeah. example, right? The further up that pyramid I go, the less access I'm giving people to manipulate, edit raw data set pieces. It's, it, you know, here's where the data set lives. It's in an app, it's published, it's curated, it's, it's groomed and locked down to some degree because that's what you get. The further down you go towards self-service, hey, I'm going to make you a model and 
you know, you can use it or a department's going to make their own model and use it in intra department. Well, at some point in time, if that thing wants to be distributed, you need rules. And this is where I go back to Melissa's class. She does a great job explaining like, where's that breakpoint? When do you, what is the, what is the line, right? Is this going to be a, a curated data set, a certified piece? Well, what, what should be our organizational rules around this? No Excel files, um, you know, can't be pulling from SharePoint. Like you have some rules around what that would mean. So there's some rigor put around what that data set's going to look like. And people can trust sure, it. But how do, you, how do you delineate, how do you delineate that for the end user consuming all the massive reports? Yeah. Is that certification levels? I think, I think part of it is certification levels because you can, the Power BI gives you the control of saying only a select few of people can turn things into certified. So that, that is one level of control. Another level of control in what Melissa talks about in her class is adding specific um, either verbiage or print or background image or something that's very specific to this thing is certified. Granted, people can, in fact, copy those things and get that stuff out of stuff if they really want to. But now you're having a different conversation. Like, why, why are you trying to copy, copy the certification right. and publish things that are certified? And then, and then it goes back to like that, you know, the center of excellence and the governing board. And again, is why it's important to have an executive sponsor because if someone's doing malicious things with your data interning your company or just trying to get stuff done, that, that conversation needs to bubble up to some higher up people to figure out, all right, what's really going on here? And yeah, uh, Donald, I see Tommy wants to say something. I'm not going to let him talk. <laughs> no, no I, I, I just had a, a great idea. <laughs> I'm getting Tommy all riled <laughs> up. This. No, I, and again, hear me out because this could technically work. So we're going to, okay, a little technical here. So obviously you, you want to make sure people, like someone would know a badge of if it's from the BI team, if yep. it's from marketing or some. Badges, that's what I need. Well, no, so you could, in, in every master data set, you can do role level security with whoever the user and basically like some SVG, right? And every report has to have that on the top right. Yeah, totally. No one can copy that. That's genius. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to test it out. But badges. no. But uh, but I think that I like, do need badges. I, that would actually be kind of cool. Anyways, <laughs> but uh, I'm stealing your idea. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. But so. even but even at a simple image, even at something yeah. that, that is access to sure, a certain, exactly exactly yeah. something. So, but again, you know, the idea is you're again. I go back to we're building. A culture here this is part of the data culture that we're instilling inside the company right to, to even utilize the badges right people have to know what they're there for why is it there you know what does it mean what what goes with the integrity of that badge it's part of it's part of the process that you're building inside that company so to me it's like right. this this deeper thing of like okay the the things i'm talking about are, are an output of a well thought out a well architect architected data plan what does that look like yeah and i think a big part too from even if you do that self-service managed self-service um microsoft has on the their bi adoption uh articles they say like how did microsoft uh basically transform their bi data culture and they talked about a huge part was managed self-service i think a huge part of that is even if you provide that access the whole the biggest part is yeah you can create it but depending on where people can deploy the content, because ultimately they're going to be sharing it. And I think you have to have, just like we're talking about all these other ways to display or locate content, that has to be something thought of and thoroughly before you just start going ahead and creating these scorecards or creating these apps is, yes, you will get access, but you have this workspace. This workspace is, you know, as long as you follow the rules, yada, 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 but it's not necessarily part of the other power bi apps hmm. totally agree there the, the more the more i i've 
talked or, or thought about this in the last month, right? We, we've talked about um, data access <clears throat> or paginated reports, right? Just giving people data versus reporting, right? Sometimes because I, I think it, the more I like it, because the more I, I think about some of the challenges of BI teams that, that I've been a part of a run, right? The volumes start to increase where they're just, it, it's exponential. You can't handle it all, mm -hmm. right? Totally. No, and sometimes like what somebody's asking for just doesn't fit into the realm of something that should be delivered in a Power BI report. They, they just want access to data that they, they can't see, right? And, and this is also like, I think dovetails into some of this conversation where um, at, at a level, if, especially if it's analyst or whatnot, is there a different type of report that should be delivered in a final form that's mostly yeah. just a curated view or a table with filters inpaginated, right? Yes. Allow a user to go access data from, you know, a, a potentially somewhat curated table Right, so they're not joining tables together, or whatever. But it's it's in a paginated report, but it's more of a, hey, here's access, here's some key filters that you've defined. Go have fun, and then depending on who's using that and how often, it could be a, like a perfect area for advancing into more of a curated report. Like, hey, what are you doing with that? Right, like every I see running this every single day, multiple times per day. Um, what are you, what are you trying to glean from this? What are you trying to like pull out of this? Is, is it worth us going down the route of creating a project around a curated report that that's going to make some decisions easier for you? Um, and then, and then maybe there's one other tier in here where outside of the, the Uber technical team, you know, you grant some read access to people to source systems. Right, uh, SQL is an, an obvious Databricks and SQL, or you know, where they have view or read access to mm -hmm. some of the core views or something, and they could join the data together if they they know a little bit about that. Obviously, you're moving more into the technical space, but like, I I think I I I went pendulum over the years here, right? From DBA report writer who is like the only way anybody could get access. Right. And then generating reports for people with really complex business logic. And that was so fun and store procedures. Right. And then flipping on the opposite side where everything belongs in a Power BI report. And technically, you could put the vast majority of everything in Power BI report, because if somebody's thinking about their own process of like, here's the data I need, these are the decisions I need to make, et cetera, et cetera, you could put everything in a Power BI report, but you'd probably be burning more time than the value that would provide. So there's a middle ground here, I think, where maybe just data access is a, a good starting point for a lot of what should be, you know, fully curated or fully built out, but it, everything's not going to live in that realm, but you're still providing access to information that people need. I, I totally agree. It, it is, it is a spectrum, right? It's, it's, it's part, you know, I think I think the two questions you ask and some notes here I mean was, was making is, you know, ask ask the question of, um, you know, being clear what what is in that data, and are you just asking for access to information or are you actually looking for insights on top of the information? I think to me that literally delineates, you know, do I give you a data model to work on or do I give you a report to use, right? What what is the level of ask there? And then again, you have to kind of also look at it from your you know standpoint, Seth, as you were talking about like it's there's too much 
the volume of data that's being generated by organizations is far outstretching the number of users or the, yeah. the number of IT people needed to support that mm -hmm. information to all the organization. So there's a couple trends fighting against us from, from a, we can't continue to consume, we can't continue to think that the entire organization will fit under one team. It, it can't be, there yeah. will definitely probably be some level of a BI team or an, and data team and making some policies around that. But like, if you keep, again, I was looking at, some, this is a long time ago, but you know, the exponential growth of data, we're going to make more data in the next 10 years than we will have since the creation of, uh, you know, right. the internet kind of thing. Like this is the, the, the volume of, of amounts of information that are coming is just going to be so large that we're going to have to figure out better ways of, of helping other people become more equipped in this. And one comment from someone I was working with was I'm preparing. They were basically talking to, I'm preparing my reporting for my company for the next generation of employees that are coming into the workforce. Because what they were looking at, they were saying the, the younger generation of workforce, data developers, data engineers, they're much more comfortable with data, computers. It just becomes more of their thought process because they've been engaged to this data stuff very earlier or much earlier in their process. So that that is like now informing them. They're like trying to you know think ahead because there's going to be an influx of new workforce that's going to be better equipped to handle this stuff. So it's, well, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Let me ask this because I, I really do agree. And, but in order for that to be successful, you obviously, there needs to be the training. You need to have the right people who are willing to do that. Is that the responsibility of the BI team to basically find those people and get them involved? Uh, or is it the organization to devote resources and not just people, but the time budgeting that we need to identify each team to have someone who's going to be able to, you know, build out that managed self-service side or uh, connect to it. Because I am very much in order for the, this to truly work. And, and I do agree it should work. And it, we're seeing that more and more as with what Power BI is doing with data marts, live data sets, the ability to, in a sense, configure too. It only works to me if the organization says we want this, we need this to work. And we're going to devote okay. people to actually have resources for it. So there's a number of things you said there that I need to unpack. One is, does leadership buy into where the direction you're going? That's one major concept. If they don't, if they don't even agree with what we're talking about here, you're already like, you know, working a man down at this point, right? It's, it's, they're not going to be able to help push you towards that training piece. The second part of this is around like, how do you train people? Like, what is the plan to Ooh. talk to that data culture that you're going to be building? And I think that that's yes, there there is a central person, but you can you can lead that direction two ways. You can go bottom up, start with the business, add value, build structure and process, and do the right thing. And then as that as as people gravitate towards you, that grows to a point where someone is going to have to take notice. Hey, look, you know Mike's running this every Friday power hour around Power BI things that he's do, doing and developing. Great, look at the, look at the value. Like if you can. If you can prove to the organization there's value being added to what you're doing by adding process and rigor around this data thing, I can't see why they wouldn't recognize that. And if they're not, if they're smart, they'll recognize yeah. it and promote it, right? Um, on the other hand, too, like you have to have a, I, I feel like there's a heart to heart here, right? Where does data culture fit in your organization? That needs to be something that the organization or people leading data things have to be having that conversation. What does it look like? Because then you then you can prioritize 
hey, part of everyone's goal for this year is to go through this training that's provided free from Microsoft around Power BI. Great. We've leveled up everyone at the organization. We're now becoming a better data culture, right? The next, you know, when people move through the organization, we're going to hire on people who know more than we had previously. So the next generation is going to be like, okay, we're going to bring in people that are going to help raise that knowledge level even further. So I think these are strategic decisions that the organization has to make and, and stand behind and actually do what they're going to do to, to push this data culture forward. I don't know. Seth, what do you think? I think we've traveled very far afield from the topic, but I agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> we do a lot of self-service. To, to just wrangle back, right? Yes. I, I think uh, across the board from a final data product, I, in my mind, yes. the output of this conversation is there, there's, I, I think, more so a value impact that belongs alongside how far along I bring a final product, right? Yes. How far into the curated space am I going to go for um, keeping those two things in mind as, as I, you know, branch out uh, it's going to be, how do I, how do I share that knowledge within an organization and control access in the right ways? So that to your point, as, as we grow as an organization, building data culture, find, like where do people find things? It should be accessible. There should be easy process for them to understand, to plug into the right data yes. um, and, and the right reporting uh, at the right time. I'm going to, you know, final thoughts for me here is really around culture, right? What kind of culture are you, are you bringing? Be, be strategic around what that culture looks like for, for your organization, right? Uh, is this something that is, is strategic, right? Um, making sure that the organization commits to having the right people and having the right conversations around what does this look like for you? Where, where, where is our priority on things? So I think, I think that's, to me, that's very important uh, in this conversation. And I think a lot of that conversation shapes where you have your final data live. Is it in Teams? Is it in PowerBay.com? Do we just load it into SharePoint and make it easier for people to consume, right? You're evaluating where the best move is for your organization and how you can easily leverage the tooling that we have to meet the business decisions that we need to make at, at the end of the day. Tommy, what are your thing? What are you, anything that came that stuck out? Yeah, to honestly, whatever options that you choose, and there's not necessarily a, you know, strict decision tree on always the best option, True, but I, whatever options you make available, there has to be that planning beforehand and setting up what the point of this is. And also again, ensuring that you don't, you can identify where that final data is. Mm -hmm. That final data is supposed to serve that some purpose. Uh, so there, do not take lightly providing more than uh, like multiple options. And if you've lasted this long and you thought, why aren't we talking about where final data should live? The reason we didn't talk about that is, of course, a Microsoft storage ecosystem. I mean, is there anywhere else? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> And there's your final answer. <laughs> exactly. You had to wait an, a full hour to get the actual answer at the end of the podcast. <laughs> Short and simple. Well, we've done it again. We, we, we've uh, burned through another good hour time to, together just talking about things around data. I hope we appreciate the conversation. Uh, we thank you very much for engaging with us. We have a great community. Thank you for all of you who are chatting on YouTube and providing ideas and thoughts. Uh, we really appreciate you. Thank you for your time. Um, our only ask, if you are enjoying the podcast, is uh, do us a favor. Help spread the word a little bit. Share it with somebody else that you think is uh, going to enjoy or find some value from it. We really appreciate the, uh, the positive feedback. And I think, you know, if you like it, maybe someone else will as well.
Tommy, where else can you find the podcast? If you are listening right now, you have no idea why the title is confusing because again, it should update and reflect what we're actually talking about. <laughs> Self-service apparently. Uh, if you're watching live, make sure to subscribe on Apple and Spotify. And just to what we've said so many times, the biggest way you can help us out, uh, what would make the biggest impact for us is uh, spread the word, tell people like, man, this really different podcast with a bunch of people that I like to argue with. That's what we're here for. So I like that uh, Dan tells me he goes on walks. He listens to us on his walk and he yells at his phone all by himself. Like we've done our, we've done our goal. We've made you a crazy person yelling at your phone when no one's around. So we hope to encourage more people to engage with, in that kind of conversations. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone. We appreciate you. Uh, and we'll see you next time.